and welcome to our ATS Nursing Assembly podcast. Today we'll be speaking with Dr. Happ and Dr. Pate on a very timely topic given the global COVID-19 pandemic. As we know, some patients diagnosed with COVID-19 will end up in the ICU on mechanical ventilation. And to improve communication between the healthcare team and these patients, Dr. Happ and Dr. Tate together with a team of experts have produced a free online suite of tools and resources for healthcare professionals to utilize in the treatment and care of patients battling COVID-19 who are unable to speak. And to give a little bit of background, we're lucky to have with us today Mary Beth Happ. She is a professor at The Ohio State University, and she is an NIH-funded investigator in critical care and in aging research. Her research focuses on improving care and communication with communication-impaired patients, families, and clinicians during hospitalization and at the end of life in high-acuity and critical care settings. She is widely published with more than 170 journal articles, editorials, abstracts, and book chapters. Welcome, Mary Beth. Thanks so much. It's great to be here, Lauren. Yes, thank you. And uh, Dr. Judy Tate is an assistant professor at Ohio State University um, in the College of Nursing. Her program of research focuses on patient and family needs with a particular focus on older adults, symptom recognition and management, communication and cognitive and psychological sequelae of critical illness. She has collaborated with Dr. Hap on multiple studies um, and is currently leading a study that uses a modified version of the tool speaks that we'll be talking about today. And Judy has been a me- member of the ATS Nursing Assembly for more than 10 years. So welcome, Dr. Tate, as well. Thank you, Lauren. Right, great. So thank you so much for taking time out of uh, your busy schedules. We know everyone's uh, doing a lot of pivoting as we all are in responding to the COVID crisis. So thank you for sharing, taking time to share this information with the ATS community. So let's jump right in. Um, we all know that mechanically ventilated patients have difficulty making their needs and wishes understood. Isn't that just a temporary inconvenience that we accept as part of life-saving care? Well, it's more than an inconvenience. Patients report that communication difficulty is one of the most distressing aspects of mechanical ventilation. And they also report feeling angry and frustrated, anxious and agitated in association with this problem of communication difficulty. So we also know that nurses and other providers find the interactions frustrating as well. And so we also know that uh, misinterpretation of patients' nonvocal messages can have devastating consequences and impact uh, patient safety and quality. For instance, a case that the nurse interpreted pain versus pants. The patient actually for two weeks wanted their pants and was medicated for pain. And we also had a, a situation where a nurse interpreted patients' nonvocal communication attempt as you are bad and really the patient was saying you're in bad so yeah um, very interesting so when we look at those those fine communications very similar in the way they sound but obviously very different in the the outcome that both the patients and the, the nurse or other provider are looking to right and one of the things that we've been saying around misinterpretation is go look in the mirror mouths pain and mouths pants, and you're not going to be able to see a difference. Uh, 
Right. And right. the same thing for you are bad or urine bag. And so that kind of propels us to use additional tools to make sure that um, we're getting the correct message. Understood. Okay. And what makes communicating with our current situation with COVID-19 patients more challenging? So the protective masks muffle sound um, and get in the way sometimes of even having, uh, you know, lips to read. Critically ill patients already have distorted sensory uh, perception. Often their sensory aids aren't available, so things like glasses and hearing aids are probably the first things that are sent home. So in the best of time, that might be reasonable that this would contribute to misunderstanding. And then overlay that with a mask that distorts the staff's communication attempts and serves as barriers to reading lips, which does augment communication for some people. And now you have an additional setup for really poor communication. Um, someone caring for this patient could make sure that they lock eyes as you would um, normally with someone that you're communicating with. Um, use slow, deliberate speech. You could use touch or write out big, important messages on paper to improve patient comprehension. Again, the patient probably has no contact with their family, whose presence is often a source of comfort and security. So that task of communicating with the patient falls on bedside staff, nurses, doctors, respiratory therapists. Okay, so kind of being aware and understanding then that, you know, a lot of the nonverbal supports that we normally have and support from, you know, family or other, um, other loved ones might be missing and so how we need to be accommodating during this time. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, and so then what can be done to help patients and make you team members better communicate with these patients? Well, the first step is establishing a clear yes-no signal. So head nods are most natural, but sometimes patients are too weak for even that. So thumbs up, fist closed, eyes up, eyes shut tight, or other possible signals. And um, speech-language pathologists are great at coming up with and making sure um, that we validate those. And we'll talk a little more about how speech-language pathologists can help. And then we say it's important to post this uh, in a, on a sign um, for other team members so that we're not confusing patients about what is the yes or no signal. And then assessing patients' ability to see and hear, point, and write. And from there, you can determine, okay, which, of the, which things in the tool bag are going to work for the patient right now. And so if they can write legibly with a marker, that's great. A lot of these patients are too weak to write or too weak during the most acute phase. And so simple communication boards, boards with picture icons or alphabet boards, um, if they're not delirious or, or sedated, can be used. And these come in non-English language translations as well. Electronic, uh, electronic tablet applications specifically designed for the ICU setting are also available. Um, there are some free downloads right now available uh, during the COVID crisis, and we have those posted um, on the website. I, I know that tablets are being taken into some um, of these rooms. It varies by institution. Um, they're 
excluded from other containment areas. So it just depends on your institution. And Mary Beth, is there then kind of a standard suggestion in how one might um, be reassessing which um, tool might be most appropriate as someone progresses through their care? Yes, we have a pathway, like an algorithm posted on our Speaks um, 2 website, which uh, is available on the um, resources communication tools section. Okay, and we'll um, be sharing that on the on our we will we will website, so. certainly um, really daily or even within the day as um, attention a person's attention um, or strength waxes and wanes. Okay, great. So, and, and, you know, we have some prepared materials with common messages um, available or alphabet boards that a patient could point to. Um, these come with instructions. So if you're unfamiliar as to how to use them, they're available as well and can be printed on the back. They can be downloaded and printed for one-time use and discarded when no longer necessary. So it's really um, very convenient. Um, when patients are unable to point, sometimes bedside staff can assist by a scanning technique um, where the patients indicate maybe with a head nod where the message lies on the board. So this could be uh, a partner-assisted situation um, and certainly can be um, facilitated by the bedside staff. And the speech-language pathologists understand and are experts in this kind of technique. So if it's, um, you know, they can be uh, consulted for complex communication needs. Um, we've had ICUs um, prepare little kits with paper and felt-tip pens um, or message or alphabet boards so that nurses don't have to scramble for materials. These can be prepared ahead of time, put in a plastic bag and uh, put into the room. But the most important thing I always say is that you post that communication care plan in the room. So what's the, you know, um, yes, no signal, you know, where are their glasses or hearing aids, what strategies work best, and then something that makes the patient an individual, like their nickname or, um, you know, some individual kind of uh, notion, you know, where are they from or things like that. Okay. And would you say, I know at this time that resources are spread thin and administration and many institutions are you know, doing a lot of work that they might normally not, and those on the front lines are, are really rising to the challenge to do best. Do you think for, you know, the nurses on the front lines that might be listening, is this something that, that they can implement themselves, um, or does this need to be, you know, kind of at a full unit level? What's your recommendation for the people that are kind of feeding this today? So anybody can do this. Um, certainly, um, we've had nurses and um, other members of the healthcare community, chaplains have um, utilized some augmented communication strategies, um, families. So it could be really anyone. But in this time, I think that for the sake of convenience and the people that are um, directly caring for patients at the bedside, nurses can certainly do this. They don't need much in the way of um, orientation to materials. Yeah, I, I think that's great that you all have it set up so that people can kind of 
dive in right when it's needed. Um, right. So if, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think the other the other point is though that we're really sensitive to the fact that um, nurses on the front lines are doing carrying a tremendous load, and so people are wanting to to help in ways that they can outside the unit or outside these containment areas. And so preparing these materials or packets, I think is a great way for others to help and to support nurses, physicians who are in the room um, caring for these patients. Great, okay, that might be something else that we can be sure to get up on, up on our websites for those that might be listening and how, how that might look exactly. Um, and so then if we take a step back, can you um, share with, with us what evidence actually supports the use of these tools and techniques, uh, specifically with those that are mechanically ventilated? Sure. Well, uh, about 20 years of research. Uh, and the tools and techniques come from the field of communication disorder science, specifically augmentative and alternative communication. And we've been testing them as a bundled intervention. So training for nurses in basic communication techniques, not something that we typically get in our um, preparation, not nurses or physicians or others, um, and provision of the communication tools, as we've been saying right there to, um, at the bedside, and then expert consultation from um, the speech-language pathologist as sort of the third prong. So we first tested the bundle in an NIH-funded study of patient nurse effectiveness with assisted communication strategies, and that's where the SPEAKS acronym comes from. And we recorded, vid video recorded, nurse-patient interactions in first a usual care group and then with nurses who received the program. And we found that communication about pain was more successful in the nurse-patient dyads that had received the intervention. This really surprised, this finding surprised us because we thought that pain was, you know, one of those um, messages that uh, we were doing really good at. Mm. But um, there are a lot of nuances there, and certainly that pain pants um, example is one of them. So uh, among the groups who received um, speech-language pathologist consultation and a really broad array of communication tools, including electronic tools, um, those patients reported high communication difficulty less often. And we saw more communication tools of all different kinds were used in that group. And so um, in the Dissemination and Implementation Speaks 2 study, it was a follow-up funded by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. We condensed that training uh, to six 10-minute online modules for online delivery to more than 380 nurses in six ICU across two health system hospitals. Um, nurses reported greater satisfaction and comfort with communication with mechanically ventilated patients after the program, and speech-language pathology consultations for communication support increased. Um, and nurses really liked that we provided communication tools um, so they were readily available for use at the bedside. Some of the takeaways from these studies and the implementations that our colleagues have done 
in places like the hospital, the University of Pennsylvania, are that speech language pathologists should really be involved and used regularly to consult on communication with ICU patients, especially those with greatest difficulty. And so in this group, the patient provider communication forum um, that we're highlighting on the, uh, their website, um, we know that speech language pathologists are standing by and that they can consult um, from outside the rooms um, and through video conference uh, on the tools and techniques and um, for particular patients. Uh, we also know, found that, you know, this is a really deliberate thing using these tools. So you do have to uh, kind of be planful in your communication and also that there's no single magic bullet and that's what people really want. Well, just give me the one thing that's mm -hmm. going to work. And, <laughs> and, you know, we don't communicate just in one way. We, and so neither do really sick people in the, in the hospital. Um, so we know that patients are going to communicate in multiple ways over the course of an ICU stay, depending on their level of function and sometimes depending on the, on the message. If it's a real simple thing, they might not need a lot of support, but if it's um, kind of a new message that we don't know what it is they're wanting to say, if they're asking about family or something at home, um, they might need a little more support in that. So um, we've also modified this content for use in our undergraduate program um, with pre-licensure or in the BSN students and grad entry using a flipped classroom method. That's great. We've also recently tested electronic tablet communication applications with ventilated ICU patients. And we've done this in partnership with um, VitaTac, it's the maker of VitaTalk, which is a communication app, and this was funded by um, NIH, the National Institute of Nursing Research. And we found that patients who are alert, non-delirious, and able to use a touchpad were successful in communicating their care needs and messages, um, both to clinicians and to family members. So um, again, those may the tablets may or may not be available um, at the at bedsides during this crisis, but um, at least we have some evidence behind their use. That's great. It's interesting to hear about the, the ways you've um, used it in different settings and with different um, students as well as as active healthcare professionals. Thank you for saying that. And then um, maybe you might have some additional examples and success stories of how these tools and techniques have been put to use through um, your many years in this work. Sure, and I think the success stories are something that um, are really important. We want to keep collecting those. There are a couple um, online um, on this patient provider communication website. So they're in the case examples tab. And in our experience, we had one case where we were able to communicate with a chronic vent-dependent patient who had Parkinson's disease. Um, so his emotional and nonverbal um, communication was a little masked. And he was pretty much written off as being non-communicative. 
but we found out using some written choice techniques about his background and um, even his sense of humor. And this was just able uh, to better personalize and humanize interactions with him. And we also found out that he'd heard nurses talking in the hallway about his impending discharge and it was making him anxious and worried. In another case, a young woman who experienced a severe stroke um, postpartum had aphasia and anxiety and depression. And she had weaned from the ventilator, but still had a tracheostomy. So communicating with her was really uh, difficult. Our speech language pathologist developed communication strategies that she was able to use um, despite the effects of stroke. Uh, she even was able to use a tracheostomy speaking valve over time uh, and was transferred to acute rehab rather than the nursing home. So it totally changed the trajectory of, of her care, all because of a communication plan. And we also have, um, you know, we received communication from uh, members of the community and one of our students used the techniques that we taught in class. Um, she taught them to her family member when her father was emergently admitted to the ICU on mechanical ventilation and although tragically her father died, she was very grateful that she had a way to communicate with him and understand his wishes before he died. So these are powerful stories, um, you know, of success. Very much, uh, and we would we would you know love to hear back from those. We'll be uh, sharing out some of these tools on our ATS Twitter. If you're not already, you can follow us at ATS Nursing, uh, and we would love you know responses there that you know then um, Judy and Mary Beth are able to add to their collection of success stories as well. Um, so so please feel free to share there. Um, very good. So this sounds um, overall like a very important aspect in, in this complex uh, time that we're living in with COVID and taking care of these patients um, and could really, you know, humanize the care during this um, otherwise chaotic time. So can you remind us again where we are able to learn more? Yes. Yeah, so we have um, the websites for the Speaks To training. And clinicians can also find just short video demonstrations on how to use these recommended tools and techniques with mechanically ventilated patients. And I know it seems like it's not rocket science and it isn't, but it's really helpful to see them demonstrated. So I'd recommend um, the training modules or just even the quick short video demonstrations. The training set up as an algorithm or decision pathway to help clinicians link their assessment with the best choice of assistive communication tools and techniques. And then we also have the provider, patient provider communication forum website posted and that's where you'll find um, downloadable communication tools simple tools, um, translations, and um, some free tools available, even the um, some free, free how to get a free subscription to the VitaTalk app, for example. Um, and there are some other vendors that are offering free um, 
tools as well. At Great. This time. And, and like you said, Mary Beth, we'll be sharing that on the, on the Nursing Assembly website and, and our right. Twitter as well. Uh, and, and just for those listening, that website is uh, patient provider communication, all one word, dot org, um, to get to that, to that, uh, those tools. Um, and okay. the Speaks website is go.osu.edu forward slash Speaks. S-P-E-A-C. with a C, right? Instead of right, a K. right. Okay. right. So go.osu.edu forward slash S-P-E-A-C-S. Correct. Thanks. All right. Before we close out, is there any other, um, any other last thoughts that you wanted to share? No, we um, are really keeping the nurses, physicians, respiratory therapists on the front lines um, in our thoughts and prayers and just so grateful um, for the work that's being done there. Great, and I, I would echo that, and I know ACS as well has sent several messages really praising all of the work that, that the teams and the healthcare systems are coming together doing. So a big thanks to everyone that's doing that, and a, another big thanks um, to you, Mary Beth and Judy, um, for joining us today, and we will look forward to sharing this information with everyone, and we'll be back again uh, in a few months with a, a new podcast from ATS Nursing. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.